from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. The Drive with Tim Donnelly, 99.9 The Fan. Sam Hartman played very well for Notre Dame. I'm I, like, I, I don't want that to get lost. He was really good. Not nearly as good as the reaction made him out to be. Not nearly as good as the broadcast was was acting as, as, as he was. I watched the game and I was thinking, like, goodness gracious, is this, you know, is this a, a situation where the, the broadcast has, like, some personal connection to Sam Hartman? I mean, is, is he a son or a nephew or something? Maybe. He underthrew a deep ball on the second drive, right? This is when the, the game is still a game because they did eventually blow out Navy, so... You know, there's certain things later on in the contest that you forgive and you forget. But uh, in the second drive, the second touchdown drive, which was also the second drive, he underthrew a deep ball that should have been a touchdown, right? He, he took an extra hitch. He didn't put enough steam on it. It was, there was, you know, he just under, it happens, right? I'm I'm not here to say that he was, he you know, this is some indictment and he can't be a good player because he underthrew this deep ball, but he underthrew a deep ball. And, and lucky for him and lucky for Notre Dame, they're good enough that they mauled Navy and scored a 19-yard touchdown run a few plays later, but that play was a miss, right? And and against better opponents, if you miss what could have and should have been a touchdown, a lot of times that ends up being the difference between a touchdown and a field goal, a touchdown and no points, a touchdown, and, and you know, being upset and feeling like you missed one. You can't leave change on the table. And there were a few situations like that. Balls that were caught that were a little behind the, the the receiver. Again, it didn't hurt him against Navy. He was good. I just didn't see a guy in that game that would have been so hyped up if there were a bunch of games going on, right? If he was playing at the same time as Caleb Williams and Caleb Williams played later on, I'm not sure Sam Hartman gets the love because everyone would have been going, did you see what happened in the other game? I also, and this might be like a personal pet peeve of mine, I think the record book stuff made it seem like he was playing better than he was because, you know, every pass he was, every completion, he was passing someone in an all-time record book. Oh, with that, with that completion, he's now, now over 900 million passing yards in college. He just passed Colt McCoy, Aaron Murray, and he's sneaking up on Phillip Rivers. Yeah. And I'm going like, wow, until you recognize something. This is Sam Hartman's sixth year in college football. Yeah. So those guys he's passing did not get six years to accumulate those stats. They did not get six years to throw for the amount of yards or touchdowns that they have. I understand Sam Hartman is a very good quarterback. I said before the game that I think he's a dark horse Heisman candidate, and I, and I like that pick, and I still like that pick, but not because of what happened on Saturday. They keep they kept announcing his career records without mentioning that it was his sixth year of college football, and that kind of frustrated me. Right? It's like if if you know somebody goes ahead and breaks uh, Peyton Manning's single season passing yards record, you better darn well acknowledge that the person breaking it has seventeen games to do so, and Manning did it with sixteen. If if Hartman passes Colt McCoy or Aaron Murray for whatever lists they were naming, right for sixteenth all time, third all time, whatever it is. Somebody better mention that he had two extra years than most of those guys, or at least a year and a game more than most of those guys. That's only fair to history. That's only fair to, to the those that came before. 
Yeah, it's context to the story. Exactly. Or or else you just think that Sam Hartman is going to end up being like you know, the best quarterback ever. <laughs> right? It's, he's going to be the 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 Colt Brennan that did it in a power conference. Until you get the context and say, yeah, actually, maybe not. Speaking of Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams did the thing that Caleb Williams does, right? Which is you play a very solid game, and once or twice a game, you do something that nobody else on the planet would have done. That that's that's what he does, and that's why everyone's so excited about him, right? We talked about it with Bryce Young, right? Bryce Young, I mean, he's good enough to like always make the right decision. But the thing that took him from a solid prospect to a number one overall pick was what he does when when the instincts take over, right? It's the the unscripted, the ad lib, the improvised. Well, Caleb Williams was pretty darn good on the scripted plays, right? Getting the ball to what was it, Zachariah Branch? Getting the ball to to his playmakers and watching them work or executing the offense. But then he dropped a snap. Right, the snap, the shotgun snap bounced right off his hands. He's he's scrambling to go pick it up. He ran into his running back, and then then he he kind of whoa regathered himself, picked the ball up, and then threw it flat footed off his back foot with a defender in his face, fifty yards in the air. It ended up being a seventy six yard touchdown. That's the thing that he does. That's what Drake May is up against in the Heisman race. That's what Sam Hartman is up against in the Heisman race. That's what Drake May is up against to be the number one overall pick. That's what uh, you know the the world is up against as far as stopping him from being only the second two-time Heisman winner in history. And you know what else he has going for him? What's that? His defense isn't very good. Yeah. USC's defense still isn't gonna uh, you know dominate any games based on what we saw yesterday. Uh, which means he's going to have to push it downfield and he's going to have to keep the pedal to the floor more than most really, really good quarterbacks in college have to. Giving up 28 points to San Jose State doesn't seem bad because USC scored 56. Right? So it's like, yeah, they, they, they doubled them up. Look at that. But USC against good teams, uh, or better teams, I should say, they aren't going to have a dropped snap 76-yard touchdown every game. They aren't going to have uh, a freshman in Zachariah Branch returning kicks for touchdowns every game, right? They had some of the the you know you can't always count on them touchdowns, and if you you don't get those, then hey, it's a fourteen point game, and you're still slinging the rock late in the contest against San Jose State. Caleb Williams' stats are going to be crazy because he's going to have to put up points. He's going to have to you know play fourth quarters. That's the thing you always hear, but you know you hear about like a Lamar Jackson, or so actually you know there's a, there's a few players, right? Even Sam Howell early in his career would be like he put up all these broken records, and then you realize like he didn't play in four fourth quarters. <laughs> Caleb Williams isn't going to get many of those. He's going to be in the fourth quarter, and you're not you know trying to score, which is dangerous if you're trying to keep up with him from an analytics standpoint. Trying to extend that lead from ten to seventeen. Yeah, exactly. You're trying to you, know, you you want it to be a three score game, without a seventy six yard drop snap, pick it up, throw it fifty in the air, touchdown, and a a kick return, touchdown. It's a two score game against San Jose State. And I no disrespect to San Jose State, USC is going to play better teams than San Jose State. Yes, even in the Pac twelve. <laughs> Zing. The conference currently known, but not longer known as Pac-12. <laughs> this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, the Drive with Tim Donnelly here on 99.9 The Fan. Those games we just talked about, the appetizer. Those were just the, the, the finger foods that get passed around during the cocktail hour. We're sitting down for the real meal this weekend. It is our kickoff celebration here on The Drive, and college football week one is here, including some big games that, that are, are tied right here to the, the triangle, right here to, to Carolina. We have real football this week. NC State at UConn on Thursday. This this one, you know, UConn might not bring the amount of of splash as an opponent that that some others might, but I think it's kind of a new era for State, and it's it's weird because I can sit here and say it's a new era despite the fact that they have the eighth longest tenured coach in in NCAA in the entire country, uh, with with Fitzgerald being being outed in Northwestern that bumped Dave Doran up to a tie for eighth as far as longest tenured head coach in college football. It's crazy to think how long he's been there. Like, just feel like he should like be like, just like year five. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> Feels like it, he just got there. And, you know, he's talking about being there forever. So it's like, you know, there's, I don't know. The timeline just feels a little, little off. But he's the eighth longest tenured head coach in college football. How can it be a new era? Well, well especially because you look at it you're like Peyton Wilson's back and White's back. Jordan Houston's back, like uh, Lesane's back. Like they have all these guys coming. How is it a new era? Here's how it's a new era. Uh, longevity in college football is a lot about reinventing yourself, right? You can't you can't just say like, hey, this is what we do. We do the same thing now. We do the same thing next year. We do the same thing the year after, and we're never going to change. It's a lot about reinventing yourself. Think about you know the the Sabins of the world, right? The the Saban, their offenses spread air them out now. You go back ten years, that would have been chaos. Heck, go been, back five years. It would have been, yeah, exactly. It's like, wait a second. You know, you give the ball to Derrick Henry nine hundred times a game. You don't. You don't have you know drop backs slinging around the field offenses. Right. The, the, you look at the the wide receivers they've produced over the last five years. It, it would have. You wouldn't have been able to get them to commit to Alabama because they'd be going. We want to go somewhere we can catch the ball. We don't want to watch Mark Ingram have nine hundred carries. But he changed, right? He reinvented himself. For a while, he had Lane Kiffin as his coordinator. That's a reinvention. And the same thing is true in, in basketball. Same thing is like you can go to all of – you have to reinvent yourself. And Doran's kind of doing that this year by bringing in a Brennan Armstrong, but really Robert and I is his offensive coordinator. New vibes, right? That offense is going to look different than what it's looked like in the past. Now, the 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 – goal of right the thing you want to do best when it comes to reinventing yourself is keep the best parts of what you were and replace the parts you want to replace right and and Saban did some of that and and Doran's going to try to do it the same right hey let's keep most of the defense and what coach Gibson on the defense was able to do to lead the ACC and fewest points allowed let's keep most of that and then let's bring in an offense that that Robert and I can use that'll be multiple, varied, it'll be be uh versatile. And it might take a little bit of the the pressure off of that defense. 
and let's premiere it. Let's debut it week one, Thursday night in Stores, Connecticut. No one knows what to expect. Let's be real. No one knows what to expect. No That's where knows. it's the new era. You don't know what to expect with that offense. Jordan Houston could have 100 yards. He could have 10 yards. He could have 100 yards receiving. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's there's so much variation. Casey Concepcion, the freshman, he could play the whole game. He could he could play 10 snaps. Like, we don't know. And, and once they're out there, how are they going to be used? We have no idea. Trent Penix. Is he going to be getting carries? Is he going to be getting the ball thrown to him? Is he going to be blocking? I don't know. Robert and I might not even know. Uh, that's the thing. Do, do they even know? They got an idea. Well, I think they know what they want to be. Yeah. But that's the one thing about these early season matchups because there is no preseason game. Mm. Like We talked earlier to open the show about Bryce Young. Well, because we had three preseason games of of evidence of what he's capable of doing, right? He's able to work out some of those kinks. In college football, you don't get it. It's just like, you know what? Here you go. Here it is. And I think that's what we saw. We talked a little bit ago about Sam Hartman from Notre Dame. Is that that was his first live game action in a new offense with totally mm-hmm. new guys. So, yeah, there's going to be some missed throws, some missed timings and things like that. But I think that stuff's going to iron out as the season progresses. But, for for example, for UConn coming in, it's like, who do we guard? Like, 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 what, what, who are we keying on here? I guess you could say to use a a completely hysterical uh, display of what Dennis was describing about not knowing what UConn's going to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, their starting lineup has seven potential starting tight ends. Yeah, they have seven names all listed with or as a starter. There you go, seven guys. How in the world will NC State? How in the world will will, will Tony Gibson be able to prepare for UConn's offense when they don't know which of the seven possible starters at tight end will jog out there first? Seriously, how? I don't know. Maybe they'll just treat them all like tight ends. Remember all their numbers. It's I digress. And then there's, uh, speaking of big games, mightn't be none bigger in, in the, the entire week one slate of college football than, than Carolina, South Carolina, the Battle of the Carolinas. The big one. Here's Mac Brown on the big opener, the tough one they have uh, for the Tar Heels against their their rivals, the, the Gamecocks, which is obviously it's Drake May, it's Spencer Rattler, it's uh, Mac Brown, it's, it's Shane Beamer. It's so much uh, battle. It's, it's, it's North Carolina versus South Carolina. Well, we we lost that clip from Mac Brown, so we'll talk about it ourselves. It's it's a big old tough opener for for Mac Brown, and you know what? Actually, it is for both teams. One of them, actually, both of them. I don't know why I said one of them. Mm-hmm. Both of them come in with a, a a ton of positive vibes, right? There's uh, momentum built off last year, and or. Uh, great players or or vibes coming in, and one of them is going to be slammed into the wall before their journey even begins, right? One of them is going to come in with all this momentum, and then week one they're going to lose to a rival, and it's going to be just screeching halt, breaks, you know, patch of rubber left in the 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 starting gates. We have the audio now. All right, here's Mac Brown talking about their opener. I'd rather have something that we can iron out all of our problems in the opener and have this game second. That, that's what, we, when we won the national championship, I think we opened up with Louisiana Lafayette at home and then went to Columbus. But it gave us a chance. You don't show anything, but you, you end up figuring out, ooh, he played better than I thought, and he wasn't as good as I thought. And 
this didn't look as good. We need to lean more toward this with the game plan. Uh, we've got to do all that Saturday night. We, we don't have any chance. And, and then we've got App State, who's a huge game for us. And then we've got Minnesota, who was 9-4 last year and won a bowl game. Uh, and then you go to Pitt, who won the league two years ago. So uh, we, we've got no breaks. This is the toughest schedule I've ever coached. And I've told the kids that. I've said, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to gripe about it. But it is what it is. And to win on this schedule, you're going to have to be really good and you're going to have to play every week. Toughest schedule Mac Brown has ever coached? It's not an easy one, that's for sure. It's not. I mean, not easy. He's got 34 years of coaching experience. So that's that's a that's a statement right there. And and if it's true, that just goes to show that uh, if you lose this one, the the uphill battle is dramatic, right? Because let's think about it. If you have Drake May, which Carolina does, uh, you have to be chasing some lofty goals this year. Right, you have to. Right, when you have that guy, you can't waste it. So, so you're chasing some lofty goals, which mean uh, ACC championships and playoff appearances. That's what you're chasing. If you're going to go get those things, you basically have one, maybe two games of wiggle room. Right, if you lose one game but you win the ACC, you're probably in. Two, if if you you get lucky and there's uh, you know uh, other things have to break your way, but that's not all on you then. Um, you do not want to give up your wiggle room week one, especially when you have a tough schedule. You do not want to give up your wiggle room week one. South Carolina is kind of the same way too, right? They beat Tennessee, Clemson, both top 10 teams near the end of last year, gave Notre Dame a game in the Gator Bowl. Everybody seems to love Shane Beamer. They've like You lose to Carolina, there's your wiggle room. And oh, by the way, you're playing in the SEC, which is, you know. There is none. They'll tell you, it just means more. I don't know if we'll believe it, but they'll tell you. So there, th- this game, like right out the gate, you want to talk about jumping on a treadmill set to 30. Uh, you know, you're either going to find your speed or you're going to get thrown off the back of that thing, and it's going to be embarrassing, and you'll end up on, on a viral clip being thrown off the treadmill. It'll be funny, and everybody's going to laugh. It means more. Doesn't it? Does it? <laughs> that's, how, that's how I should have led with it. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.